0: Church, um, I was out last week, and you heard from Pastor Joseph uh, from Australia. It was a powerful message, and uh, our our Australian pastor, who's from Nigeria originally, brought just a tremendous word. And one of the things that you heard about, if this is you're relatively new to our church, is that we're part of a ministry called Every Nation. And I'm not going to go into all the details of, of our world conference that happened last, last week, but just suffice to say that there's something powerful that happens when people get together and they worship. Something uh, happens, and it's, it's powerful, when you get people in a room together. It, forget worship for a second. Just getting people together in a room with a measure of expectation It's a powerful thing. If you are following online right now, uh, I think that it's happening sometime in September, the storming of Area 51 that is supposed to be happening. If you don't know about it, get with it. There are over 2 million people who have registered to be a part of the just bu- the mass horde of people who are going to storm Area 51. Now, they may lose their lives, okay? <laughs> I will not be one of those people who goes. But they are convinced that the government or some agency is hiding aliens or ships that can travel to Timbuktu and Guardians of the Galaxy and all the other things. And Thor is apparently living in there. And... I'm telling you, if you do your homework, all of the hotels are booked. Okay, all of the T-shirts and coffee mugs are gone, and so the people who live there, who are who are used to a little bit of kind of alien tourism, are freaking out because what is a, the horde of people descending on their little community is about to literally kind of squash their development. Squashing aside. Is it not kind of exciting? Being a part of something? You know what I mean? When you're looking and you're reading, I kind of, I'm not gonna actually go, but I kind of want to. You know, I kind of want to be there. I want to watch it happen. There's something electric when you're a part of something and you're and you're trying to see something happen. Am I right? There is something about being a part of a team, being a part of a body of people. And the more people you have, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, the more you can accomplish, the more electricity you feel in the room. Why? Because you're unified over one singular purpose or one singular experience. I remember, I think it was, 1993 when jurassic park came out and i was 13 you just now you know my age i was born in 1980 and i remember getting to go to the movie theater to see that movie and we were we were in a pretty you know tight ship on what we were allowed to see in our house and but i got the all clearance all systems go to see jurassic park in the movie theater and i remember I remember the movie theater, I remember the address, I remember where I was sitting in the theater, okay? And that movie begins, and if you've seen it, if you haven't seen it by now, and you're like, man, you're about to spoil it for me, you need to get with it, okay? Come on, get with it, and don't be like, oh, I was going to rent it, no you weren't, no you were not. When Dr. Grant is on that Jeep and his partner, I forget her name, is, you know, she's got the map, and they pull up and you see the first glimpse of a Brontosaurus like leg, and it's making the ground shake, and you see his face, and the Jurassic Park theme music is playing, and you, it was like a collective gasp was in the movie theater because at this point in time, no one had ever seen CGI like this before. And I'm 13 year old, years old and thinking, my God, look at this. It's just unbelievable. They're real. They have to be real, right? It was literally just an experience. But everybody left the movie theater. What were they doing? They're talking about it. Can you believe that scene? When are you going to go watch it again? And uh, you just have this collective energizing moment, even over something as simple as watching a movie. We are a people. The way we are designed, the way God has made you and the way he has made me is that we are designed to experience life together. We're better together. And that doesn't mean that you can't be an introvert. It doesn't mean that you can't enjoy being at home by yourself. I enjoy being at home by myself. But we shouldn't be experiencing all of life by ourselves. There are moments, and, and regular moments, might I add, that we do, in fact, need to share with one another. We need to gather together. When is the last time that you had a moment where, where you, you literally just felt that, that kind of shared, singular mission, that excitement, that buzz? Maybe it was a movie. Maybe you were so amped to go see Infinity War or Endgame. Or maybe it was the amusement park roller coaster, right? And you manned up, and your group of people just, you hit it. And everyone was talking about it afterwards, and you still laugh about it now. Maybe it's a church experience. Maybe it was a worship experience. When was the last time you felt the energizing unification of being together with people? It's rhetorical. You don't need to answer it. But think about it for a moment. Because if there's anything in our lives that should bring us together and get us catalyzed as a people of, uh, of God. Is it not the church? Is it not worship? Is it not the God who literally breathed stars into existence? Who the scriptures say can cup the oceans in the palm of his hands. The very God who changes you and me from the inside out. This God who knows there are no bounds to his mercy, no ends to his grace. When we come together in worship, should this not be a moment that catalyzes us, that energizes us, that rallies us together in a moment of powerful, life-changing worship? Hold that thought for a second and turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. My question that we're going to begin to answer is where do you need to feel part of something? Where in your life do you need that quote unquote word of togetherness to really be at work? Where do you need God to move and bring other people around you that you might experience truly the power of gathering together, the power of being together? Acts chapter 2, it says it like this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So here we are in the book of Acts, and they're gathered together uh, when the church was birthed in the power of the Spirit. The church is this little group of about 120-ish people, and they're meeting in an upper room of a house. They're probably a little bit afraid, but they don't really know what to expect. But we know this, that if their gathering looked consistent with what it has been looking like prior to this, then they're getting together, and they're spending a lot of time praying. They're spending a lot of time asking God, praising God, worshiping God, and they're doing a decent amount of time. They're spending time singing, singing songs. And they didn't have a band like this. This is a hot room with no air conditioning, stinky feet, kids, all kinds of distractions. And people are singing, and they're worshiping. And this was what was oftentimes evident in the early church gathering. And they had no idea what God was about to do. I'm going to give you some context here. Because what's happening in Jerusalem at this time is they're huddled in their room is this thing called the Feast of Weeks. We now know it as as, uh, um, Pentecost. Fifty days after Passover was another celebration in Jerusalem. And so what people would do is they would, they would travel from, from nearby cities, nearby uh, nations, and they would come and they would bring an offering as they, as they celebrated the Feast of Weeks. And the Feast of Weeks commemorated God's provision in their life. That God had provided in the past, that God had provided now, and that God would provide in the future. So they would come and the, the priest would be at the altar, but instead of a sacrificial lamb in this moment, they were to bring two loaves of bread. And this was called a wave offering. And the the, the loaf of bread in the left hand or the right hand, I'm not sure which signified what, but, but this loaf represented God's provision for Israel and God's people. And this loaf of bread represented God's provision for the Gentile. Two loaves of bread. And here you have a group of people. Sitting in a room, kneeling in a room, and they're praying. And ultimately, what we can say that they're praying for, even if they didn't use this word, it's God's provision for God to move, for God to work, for God to restore, for God to show up, for God to do what only God can do. And in this powerful moment, the Holy Spirit comes crashing into the room. For the first time in the history of humanity, the Holy Spirit is indwelling the believer. And the the scripture said it sounded like, like like a rushing wind hit the room. And people begin to speak in tongues and it looks like fire is sitting on each person's head. And there are thousands of people gathered together outside. All there to celebrate the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, God's provision. And they're holding, literally, bread. And here we have the Holy Spirit indwelling the believer with the very presence of Jesus himself. The very bread of life. They're sacrificing bread as an offering. And what they're actually beginning to experience for the first time on the inside is this very bread himself. Jesus described himself as the bread of life. And the early church is born. And if you remember, Peter stands up and he preaches and he preaches the preach of all preaches. And you have thousands of people who are hearing Peter connect all the dots, and he's saying Jesus ultimately is the fulfillment of all of these things and all of these sacrifices and all of the effort that you're putting into this. Jesus did it. Jesus is the fulfillment of it, and you crucified him. And the air gets sucked out of the room, out of the crowd. What do we need to do, they say, to be saved? And Peter says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of of your sins and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit this promise is for you and your children and for all whom the lord jesus will call all of this happened as the church is gathered together i want you to hear that you got a group of people that are gathered together in a room and what are they doing they're praying They don't know what God's going to do, but they want God to do something. you got another group of people outside numbered in the thousands, and they want God to do something. And what are they doing? They're gathered together. And they're gathered together ultimately in obedience and sacrifice and in offering. And God shows up, and God shows up big time. So when we talk about the power of gathering together, I'm not saying that God can't show up in the intimacy of your one-on-one time with him or as you're reading your Bible or as you're praying. But I know in my own life, the most powerful encounters I have had with God oftentimes are in moments where other people are with me and there's worship and there's faith and there's people who are expecting God to move. And Jesus himself says it, where two or three are gathered, there will I be. There's power in gathering. There's power in getting together. So what is it that they do? Acts chapter 2, after all these people get saved, and mind you, You've got you to understand the genius of God here because what God does redemptively in this moment is he's undoing what happened in the Tower of Babel where God created confusion because the people were, were trying to basically build a tower up to heaven, if you remember the story. And he says something interesting, and I'm not quoting the scriptures perfectly, but that, that, man, if people get together and they're unified in mission and purpose, they can do anything. So I'm going to confuse them right now. And he births all of these different languages, and people can't understand each other. And yet here we have, by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, God is undoing what happened in the Old Testament because of disobedience. We see God writing what he did because of obedience. And now he's bringing everyone together, and although they're speaking different languages, they hear it in their native tongue. They hear a miracle being happened, and the church is immediately brought together in unity, and then they go home, wherever their home is, in Egypt, in Asia, in Europe. Literally, the nations are being filled with different people who just encountered God in a life-changing way, and the early church is birthed and born and how did it happen because people were committed to getting together and doing what god had instructed them to do you get upstairs in that room and pray and you you don't have the light of the gospel yet you don't know who jesus is so what should you do do what we taught you to do obey bring your sacrifices to the temple follow god Obey his commandments. And as they did, they encountered God in a life-changing way. And over 3,000 people were added to the early church in a moment. Pretty amazing. God's power is released in special ways when his people gather together. Acts chapter 2 says that they broke bread in their homes. This is after their church becomes the church. You might think that they're going to just begin tearing their city upside down. You know what they're gonna do? They're gonna go, they're gonna they're gonna invent the 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 printing press, and they're gonna just print as many pamphlets as they can. That's what they're gonna do. No, that's not what happened. It was really simple. The Bible says that they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number. Daily those who were being saved. Wonders and signs are being performed. And they're being performed in the midst of the church gathering together. They're getting together with faith and expectation and God is moving. But oftentimes... When I think of the church and I think of getting together, oftentimes I, I don't look at it as the, the means by which God is going to move. And I don't mean to say that I don't come to church with, with expectation, but I think for many of us, because we're so used to it and it's so normative and there's, in theory, a church on every street corner, This idea of expecting God to move, the the sacred nature of who God is and how God shows up and the fact that we should be bringing our faith and that we should be loving one another fearlessly and recklessly and with total abandonment. We get so used to it that church is just kind of normative and it's just kind of what we do. And so, yeah, it's my church. It's cool. I like it. And we come and we show up. We have a good time with worship, and we enjoy the message. And then we go home, and we get Mexican food. At least that's what I do. (laughs) And I want you to know, and I want you to be reminded, church, that there is so much more to encounter and experience with this living God. And while God will show up in your one-on-one time with him, What we see throughout the scriptures really is far less of an individual relationship with Jesus. That is very much, there's nothing wrong with it, but that's far more of an American construct than it is a biblical one. We see God interacting with his people. We see God interacting with his church, with his body. Far more than we see the stressing of you making sure that you have a copy of the biblical scrolls in your individual bedside table so that when you get up in the morning, you can pull out said scroll and sit in your lounge table and, or, or your, 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 your lazy boy and make sure you have your coffee and that you have your amazing one-on-time spiritual devotion with God. I didn't have that. You guys with me this morning? You tracking with me today? That's not to say that you shouldn't, because you should. God will will wreck you and change you and minister to you as you are speaking with him and talking with him and praying with him. But there is something irreplaceable as well when the saints and the church and the body get together in worship. See, when I grew up in St. Louis... I grew up in St. Louis, and my parents were, they were, they were fantastic at, at this quality, at, at, at getting our family to church. And not everybody grew up that way, but I did. And when I say I went to church, I mean Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and there was generally oftentimes a life group or some kind of group that happened outside of that as well. We're talking four to five times a week that we were involved in some kind of church thing. And I didn't know anything different. And I grew to love it. And I remember, I remember the stress and strain at times. Now, I didn't feel it as a kid. But I remember my dad would be, this is classic dad in 1980s, my dad would get himself ready, and then he would go sit in the car in the driveway and wait for my mother to come out with all the kids, right? He wasn't helping. He was just sitting out in the driver's seat, and at this time, was probably smoking a cigarette, okay? He just was just chilling out there. And if things were getting a little too long, and, and He'd honk that horn every once in a while, and my mother would come out ready to claw his eyes out. Rightfully so. But I, my point is, is this. Jo- all the jokes and all the things aside, there was this conviction of, of, of getting together, of experiencing God with other people. And we were willing to reorient our life, our schedule, our relationships for the sake of getting together with the church. Because there was something powerful in these moments. I understand and I get it. Amy and I, my wife and I, we get that it can be hard nowadays. You've got little ones. It can be difficult to pack them up and get them in the car. I get it. You've got children that are crying. Inevitably, you're walking to the car, and you've got a little one who just does what they do, and they need a diaper change, or they need a this, or you're, you're literally pulling your hair out trying to just get to church. Ah, right? You all know. It doesn't matter if you have kids or don't. There are a thousand and one reasons and excuses and and, and work things and sport things and all the things that keep you from getting together. And if the only purpose for getting together is for hearing a message, I've got bad news for you. Most of you cannot remember one message you've heard this year. Now, I'm not saying that I'm doing a bad job as a communicator or a preacher. I hope you take notes and I hope you listen to the podcast. But most of you probably can't recite a big idea. You clearly know Psalm 23 because you rocked a cookie cake for me today. Touched by that. But my point is, if the only thing that you're experiencing at church is just another new message and is just a song that makes you feel good, then we're missing what getting together ultimately really looks like. Because our job in this moment is to encounter the living God, the presence of God. And how do we do that? If not by praying for one another, giving a hug to someone, crying with someone in the hallway... Loving people's children as they're being checked in and teaching them about who Jesus is. And yes, also being discipled through the message and discipled through worship. But understand, there's more than just preaching and there's more than just music. We've got to have a revelation of the power of getting together and looking at someone and knowing someone and being able to experience life with one another. There's power in it. And when we bring faith and our worship of God together and understand that the world will know who Jesus is by our love for one another, it makes the value of getting together that much better, that much higher. See, God's grace is released in the simple rhythms of community. I I had some great one-on-ones with people, but I'm going to be honest with you. The greatest transformation that I have experienced in my life, more than anything else, was going to church, tagging along with my folks, going to prayer meetings, tagging along at the elder meeting with pops, where I would inevitably embarrass him going to my campus ministry meeting, having a life group in my house, a small group where my parents, I saw my family and parents with other people and talking and people would stay late and they're talking about marriage challenges or problems with their child or their teen or or their teen talking about it. Understand this, that the power of community, the community itself brought about by the power of the Holy Spirit, transformation. Something happens when God's people get together. Last week, we were at our High Point Church in Orlando. Amy and I had the the, the pleasure of helping start a church prior to this one. And we were there visiting, and our global conference met in Orlando. I already mentioned that, but many, many pastors stayed around for a few days. Yeah, and they had meetings with other churches or maybe they took a couple days and went to Disney World or the, the madness of Universal or all the things, right? And so when, as we were at High Point Church that Sunday, there were so many other pastors from other every nation churches that were there. And at the beginning of service, Keith, uh, the pastor I worked with there, he brought everybody on stage to, to give an update, we were the last ones to go, and every single person that was preceding us got up and shared about pastoring and planting and birthing a church in a nation that it was illegal to do so. I, I'm i not 100% certain of this, but... The vast majority of the people who were speaking were talking about being imprisoned for their faith or beaten for what they believe. Most specifically, they were arrested because of gathering together with the church. I want you to hear this. One of the, the guy that went before me had been arrested five times. And in my mind, I'm sitting in the front row and I'm begging Keith in 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 the privacy of my mind do not bring me on stage right now to sit in the company of these men who have been in prison and who walk daily under the pressure of of death persecution and imprisonment and the thing that struck me afresh was once again historically What happened to the early church and what continues to happen to the church is that people are imprisoned not because they sing Christian music. I want you to hear this, it is not Christian music or you knowing a Christian song or you singing a song in the privacy of your home or walking down the street that is getting you arrested and possibly beaten or nailed to a cross or beheaded or dying for your faith. That isn't what it looks like. The average person is not being imprisoned because they have a Bible. Although some countries it is illegal, Make no mistake about it. Some nations, it is illegal to have a Bible. But even when you look at global persecution around the world, Christians are dying for their faith more than ever before in human history. But they are not dying because they own a Bible or because they've memorized a Bible verse. They're not dying because they, they, they know the Christian music that exists or because they know a worship song. They are arrested when they continue to persist to meet together as the church it is the gathering of the saints that is considered illegal it is the gathering of the church that is such a threat to the enemy because there is something happens something happens when when the when Christians get together in faith and expectation and the enemy does not want that to happen It's the early church. How was it that Paul went and drug Christians out and had them executed? It was the gathering of the church. And hear me, these people that are getting arrested for their faith, they're getting arrested because they won't quit meeting together. And they're starting underground churches. And they're meeting together underground in fear or in risk of their very lives. That's how important the gathering of the saints in the church is. Do you understand that? We as North Americans oftentimes miss it. We're used to it. There's nothing under threat here for you and I to get together. And because of that, oftentimes we miss the, the explosive nature of Christians coming together to worship God so many nations and countries would give anything for what we get to experience and i don't say that to shame us i say that to remind us of what we have and to not take it for granted satan's threat has always been a gathering church Acts four twenty nine says that, this is what happened, by the way. When the early church would get together, these are the kinds of things the early church prayed for. They're being persecuted. They're being threatened. And so they get together in Acts chapter 4 and they say, Lord, consider the, their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. See, what happens for us, church, is we treat getting together like, like this thing of encouragement, like as if church exists for you and I to get by because life is so hard. Now hear me, I realize life can be hard. And, this, and the church and Christians, we're supposed to be an encouragement to one another. That's a commandment to us. But if church, the ultimate church experience is you just getting a little weekly pep talk so that you can make it, we're once again missing what church ultimately is. It was a moment for people to come together and express their faith in Christ worship because God was so good and because God was so faithful and because Jesus alone saves but the other thing that would happen is they would be reminded of the mission of God that God had commanded them to make disciples that God had given them something that they were to give to someone else and so they wouldn't let go Even in the midst of persecution, rather than saying, God, get us out of here. God, would you relieve this? God, would you change our circumstances? They don't pray that. They pray for God to move powerfully and to give them boldness to stand up in the middle of their situation and preach the gospel. What? That's the early church. And so, what did getting together do? It provided encouragement, but it provided encouragement for the mission ahead. It was mission control, baby. And they would get together and they would get clarification on who they were, what they were doing, and why they were doing it. That's what church looked like. And it energized and it catalyzed, and it was electric, and, and you were a part of something, and God was moving as they gathered together. One of the, the families that was up on the stage, with children, might I add. Children weren't on the stage, but they all had kids. They asked for prayers. And they said God, they asked for, for the church to be praying for them to similar to this passage, they prayed that they would be able to withstand the persecution, or withstand the punishment, or withstand whatever the consequences were, potentially for gathering together as the church. But what struck me more than anything else is they prayed. They asked for prayers. See, the, the height of punishment to them was not imprisonment, it wasn't fines, and it wasn't getting beaten. The worst possible scenario was that they would be sent home as missionaries, that they would be uprooted from their nation and sent back to their home country. That was the ultimate thing that they prayed would not happen more than anything else. And I'm in the front row, and I'm thinking to myself, the first thing that I'm praying is that, God, I I wouldn't get beaten. God, that I wouldn't get hit. God, that I wouldn't get whipped. God, that no one in my family would die. Lord, that my children would be strong, that that they would be safe. Lord, keep us safe. Keep us protected. And yet, these weren't the prayers here, and they weren't the prayers last week. There was such a conviction and such a, such a mission in front of them. God, whatever happens, give us strength. But, Lord, whatever happens, Lord, we pray that you would allow us to stay on the field as missionaries because we know that you have given us a calling to go and make disciples, whatever it takes. But from us, oftentimes what happens is because we don't experience any of that, and by the way, I'm thankful that you don't and that I don't. But by virtue of access and by virtue of options, it's easy to take it for granted, isn't it? And it's easy in our culture to just forget the beauty and power of getting together. And so sports creep in, and work creeps in. And all, all the things creep in. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If Satan can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. So busy, in fact, that while you may not be an unbeliever, you might be unfruitful. Satan loves to just render you with no fruit on the tree. Well, you've got the trunk right, and you've got faith in Jesus, but nothing is happening with it. Well, one of the places for us to start is renewing our commitment to getting together, and that means... Sundays together, worshiping together and coming with expectation for God to move and for God to bring clarification as to who we are and what we're doing that we would be a people and a body that makes a difference and changes our community and that we bring about transformation through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, when we gather together, we experience the power of God's presence and the power of God's mission. close with this may feel like a departure from what we're talking about but I'm going to do my best to tie it together John the Baptist Jesus' cousin he sees Jesus as an adult one of the first times as they're beginning their ministries and in John 1 29 he says that John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, John had his his band of disciples. He had his group of people, and they, they loved being together. They, they loved what was happening, the ministry that was taking place. But I also love, I love the two things that are happening here. There's the getting together and there's also the beholding of the lamb. Look, behold, it's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world so when we get together, what is it that we're doing? We are beholding the lamb, the one who died for us, the one who sacrificed all for us. We come together and we worship and we lay our lives before him as an offering to the one who did what we could not do, who died the death that we couldn't die. We couldn't do, we couldn't offer a perfect sacrifice for each other, for ourselves, for our grandmother, for our brother, for our mom, for our dad. You could not do it. But Jesus did it for you. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We exalt him in worship. But the reality of that claim, behold, look, it's Jesus. Look, behold, Jesus. Look at what he's done. Look what he's done over here. Look what he's done in me. Look what he's done in you. Hey, you come over here. You've got to see this. Look at the Lamb of God. Behold, the one who takes away the sin of the world. I've got to worship him, but because he has done such a work inside of me, I can't keep it to myself. I've got to tell somebody about it because that's what happens when the church gets together. We worship and then we tell. Like your favorite movie like your favorite restaurant like your favorite gym like your favorite food oh you love it don't you but you never keep it to yourself and that's the beauty of when the church gets together and encounters the living God we are changed and we're energized to see change come Jesus changes everything. Stand to your feet, church. Father, we thank you this morning that you sent your son Jesus to die for the sins of the world. And this morning, we behold you. Our eyes are upon you. God, and sometimes it's easy for us to forget the significance of the church the church that you laid your life down for the bride of christ the church that you're coming back for one day lord it's easy to forget the significance of what it means to be the church and to worship together as a church and to serve one another as a church and to love one another as a church we forget it god would you remind us today stir our hearts today God whether we are introverts whether we're extroverts whether we're new to high point or whether we've been here five years Lord would you stir our hearts afresh God that we might cherish this time of worship together but Lord that we would also be energized to change the world around us not in our own strength Not in our own power, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, like the upper room where the Spirit came crashing in, Lord, crash into our hearts today. Crash into our lives. Fill us with your Spirit. That we might know you and that we might help others know you as well. It's in the mighty and glorious name of Jesus that we say amen. While I have you standing just for a moment longer, a message like this has very easy very practical action steps and it's simply this do whatever you can together together as church that means whatever you can to be do what you can to be here in this moment do it we're willing to move heaven and earth for a sporting event, or for a this event, or a that event, but oftentimes we won't even talk to our bosses about adjusting a work schedule. Do it. Pray about it. Don't pray about it. Just ask. Have some faith. Have a little gumption. Say, man, I really want to do this. Would you work this out for me? Maybe you got to put. Maybe you got to earn. You know, a little little favor with your boss. Do it. Serve your behind off so that you have earned the right to make an ask. Life groups are getting ready to start again in our church here. Life groups are getting ready to start in our church here. Yeah, life groups, small groups, meeting together in each other's homes is about to kick back up again here in August. Find a life group. Sometimes it's, again, we, we put it off, we think, oh, well, no one fits my demographic. Well, I'm, I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm in middle school, I'm in high school. No. None of that, no. No. There's groups. We can start groups. We can start more groups. We can start more groups on top of more groups. Because the power of meeting together is worth it. We need it. So when you see those signups going live, sign up for one. And if you want all the information about it, you can text HP Info to 97. As those things are going to go live here shortly. Amen? Amen. We get together. We serve together. We love together. And we change. can together. Not in our strength, but in His. Amen? Amen? Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.